Hello, Hooray for Monday listeners. My name is Jenna Fornell. I'm the Director of Teaching and Learning at Center for Inspired Teaching, and this is my last week stepping into Aletta's shoes to host the podcast. We've been sharing the stories of some of the inspired teachers we've come to know over the years, and today you'll hear my interview with Hakeem Johnson, the principal at the Inspired Teaching Demonstration School. Aletta and I met him for the first time this summer as he was just beginning this new role, and we were immediately intrigued by the perspectives and experiences he shared as a student, teacher, and administrator. As you'll hear in this interview, he sees a strong connection across all these ways of being in a school and really embraces the idea that everyone within the school building is a learner. Our discussion focuses on the power of feedback, something he centers in his work as a principal, just like he did when he was a teacher. Let's begin. So thank you for joining me this morning. And to get us started, tell us who you are, where you are working right now, and um, a little bit about your experience. Yeah, um, sounds good. So um, my name is Hakeem Johnson. I'm currently the principal at the Inspired Teaching Demonstration School. Um, this is my 13th year in education. Um, I've served as a middle school math teacher, as an instructional coach, um, and recently as an assistant principal, um, an interim principal uh, at another charter school here in DC. Um, and uh, all my experience has been here, and it's, it's been great to be here now. That's wonderful. Well, I'm looking forward to talking with you about that experience today. And today we're going to talk um, a little bit about feedback. And we, Inspired Teaching had the opportunity to spend a little time with you this summer, hearing about some of your teaching experiences and also your experiences as a student, which made us eager to have this conversation. Um, so my first question for you is, what role do you see feedback playing in effective teaching? I mean, I think feedback is necessary to develop effective teachers. Um, I think that it has to be something that is uh, relevant to what the teacher needs to work on. Um, in order to provide the proper feedback, you have to really know kind of a, what the teacher's areas of growth are. There are certain levels of like understanding that you have to have with the teacher um, in terms of like whether personality, style, and then from just a pedagogical standpoint, what kind of like where their gaps are and how they, how do you guide them to fill in those gaps? Um, so I think all effective teachers are people who've gotten excellent feedback from leaders and they've also been people who are really receptive to feedback and they know kind of how to take the feedback and use that in their classrooms and use that as an area of growth. Without the feedback models, uh, without having uh, consistent feedback that is happening on like a regular basis, then it's, it becomes extremely unlikely that you're going to develop a, a, a string of effective uh, teachers because you know, it, no matter how many, how many years of experience you have in education, it always helps to have someone who has a different viewpoint and someone who hasn't necessarily, um, who kind of has a different purview outside the box that you've been doing. And then as a new teacher, you don't have any tools in your toolbox. So you're relying on that feedback to start developing your toolkit for how you um, either engage students, how you classroom manage. So I think that like any, any effective cycle for a school has to be primarily based on, on teacher feedback from coaches and from administrators. That's fantastic. And that's probably a big part of what you have to do in your role as the yep. principal at the school. How do you see that translating into the classroom? So you're talking about giving teachers effective feedback. Do you find that the feedback that you're giving the teachers is actually about 
how they provide feedback for their students? How, how does that translate into their classrooms? So it's a, it's a little bit of both, right? It, um, I think it, it translates to, you know, it translates to how they provide feedback to their students, but it also translates to the, the instructional moves that they're making in the classroom to engage all students. So typically, you know, one of the biggest things is like when you have a, you have first year teachers or we have a lot of teachers who are first and second year who've been residents before, the feedback to them varies depending on where the areas of growth are. But, you know, once you see trends and what you're noticing that there, that there are consistencies across the class that need to be worked on, then the feedback is, okay, let's, how do we, as a, as a, as a cohort of these teachers, how do we then provide feedback that is effective and helps them actually improve? Um, and then you also, feedback also has to be, uh, it has to feel relevant to them and it has to give the biggest bang for the buck. So there's a lot of things we can sit there and nitpick with people, but when we really actually focus on what is it that, what's the one move or one or two moves that if they do that right, everything else will start working on. That's kind of where you really get, that's where you really start getting that, that you start seeing some change in teachers. Um, because oftentimes, like, you know, there's 20,000 things they need to work on. There's so many different things we can always comment on and give them feedback around, but it's really identifying like what's going to have the biggest impact on student outcomes and what's going to have the biggest impact on like what their day-to-day, -day, what their day-to-day -day experience looks like for them and what it looks like for their students. And it has to be something that is easily implemented and something that they can kind of like progress monitor themselves so that then they, that they know that they are actually implementing those practices with uh, and in an effective manner. That, that makes perfect sense. From your own experience, um, can you share examples of where feedback helped you learn and grow? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as a first year teacher, um, I really struggle um, with classroom management. Um, I struggle with engaging the students. Um, and so finally I had a, a coach who came in and videotaped me. And what it allowed me to do is kind of look at it from a, another perspective, from like a student perspective and things that I was doing that I wasn't aware that I was doing in the classroom. Um, you know, when you're new at teaching, you're not aware of how you come across. You're not aware of how your words are interpreted. You're not aware of like the opportunities where you see a student raising their hand and they are trying to engage and you don't recognize them. So they then do something that's disruptive. So that really helped me develop my craft as a teacher is really watching myself and, and kind of taking some time to say, okay, in this moment, what could I have done differently? And, and talking with the coach to sit there and have those reflections. And so what that has done translate to me as a coach and as a minister is really taking time to videotape people, look at it together and say, okay, I'm giving you feedback. I can give you feedback all day, but if you don't actually know what I'm referring to, because you don't realize you do these moves, then, then it's just going to be like, oh, okay, that's great, but you're still going to do the same thing tomorrow. So just having that time for videotaping and self-reflection. And then from there, then once you have that, you can look at, you can look back on it later on and say, oh, okay. Yeah, no, I could definitely see like what I did wrong there. Um, I think um, that helped me develop as a teacher. And that's kind of a model that I promote here in order to kind of really, really get teachers looking at themselves from a different angle and taking time to really work on some of those like teacher moves that, um, that we've been that we that that coaches have been telling me need to make. Yeah, it was striking me when you talked about that how much it sounds like at least what I've seen on television. I've never played a sport in this way, but like the the video recordings and the after game discussions that happen after a game where players come together and look at their moves and try to assess how they'll do differently in a different game. When you think back to when, I, it's also striking me how these descriptions of what you're doing with teachers are also very analogous to what 
we have teachers do with students, you know, helping mm -hmm. students understand where where there's an error in their in their reasoning as they're working through a math problem or how to understand how their behaviors or their interactions might be affecting their ability to be successful with their peers or in their classroom. Can you think of a time from your teaching experience um, or, or, or your work with children in, in your school experience where you saw feedback for a child help them learn and grow? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, well, one of the biggest thing is that, um, you know, when we give feedback to kids, it has to be something that is tangible for them to improve, you know, and that's where, you know, just kind of in general, that's where grades by themselves, letter grades by themselves actually don't provide much feedback to kids, right? And so um, as, as a math teacher, one of the biggest things that I will always work on is when I provided feedback to students, it wasn't just saying you got it right or wrong, but it was really pushing them on like saying, okay, well, these are things that you did well, but these are also areas that like you could have done a little better on, or you kind of, you, you're on the right track, but you, you, you know, you're not quite thinking, right? Because the idea of the feedback that you give the students is for them to take that and then, then correct it themselves. And then they, because they can then figure it out, okay, so my teacher said, Mr. Johnson said that I did this well, so let me not focus on that. But then he said, well, there's, the calculations were kind of off, or maybe you should reread the problem on these specific lines. And so they go back and they can kind of do that themselves. And that becomes, they, they internalize that a lot more so than then either just me telling them what they did wrong or me not giving them any feedback and say, oh, oh, well, I'm sorry, you had a 90% on the test. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, it doesn't actually mean anything. And so that, you know, as I really worked as a teacher to push students to, um, I always was an advocate of pushing students beyond the grade level standards and getting kids a year or two ahead. Like part of that push was to get them to learn how to look at their work and then ask themselves, okay, now that uh, Mr. Johnson modeled to me the feedback that he's given me, let me learn, let me give that feedback to myself and say, okay, here's the first thing I'm gonna check. Did I do this part right? Did I read the question right? Did I underline the keywords and pull out the necessary components? And then by the time they come to me, they may still have it wrong, but they've already done several cycles of themselves of like actually giving themselves feedback and making those improvements. Um, that's what it becomes the most powerful and the most sticky uh, with students because at the end of the day, students, you know, when you're doing, when you get to a certain level, you're not gonna always have someone necessarily look at your work and telling you what you did wrong. You have to then, you have to take the time to learn how to like do your own self-analysis. So I'll work with that on students and I'll model it for them the way I described how they did their work. I will help them kind of develop that on their own. That's amazing. And again, I see a really interesting parallel between what you're describing with students and what you're describing with teachers, because ultimately you're trying to do the same thing with teachers, give them the tools to be self-reflective exactly. of their own growth. Um, sticking with the students for a minute, and this also probably has to do with the coaching that you're doing with, with teachers, sometimes teachers feel overwhelmed by all they have to do. And the feedback that you're describing that you experienced with your math students, it takes more time, right? If I just pass out a paper that's got a 90% at the top, that's that takes a lot of time just to do that. Let's acknowledge that. But to give the, the kind of feedback you're describing is time on top of that. So 
what if a teacher says to you that meaning you know I understand that's the kind of feedback we want to give we want to be meaningful and thoughtful and give them these areas for growth, but I don't have time i've got so much going on. Um, what are some ways that you've helped teachers kind of work around that and and find effective feedback strategies um, that they can manage with everything they've got on their plate. Yeah, so I, th I think part of it right is like there are when I, I, I do hear that a lot. Um, and I think the biggest thing I always tell people is that if you do it right with students the first time and give them, if you, if you really give effective feedback to students and you get them to do that self-reflecting and that heavy lifting, then actually on the back end makes your job a lot easier. You know, because the thing is like seeing their grading papers takes time. But if you get students to the point where it's like, okay, you've done this assessment, you know how to do this work. Let's go ahead, go back through, look at your notes, look at your tools that you have. And why don't you, before you do it, see if you can kind of gauge what you did right and what you did wrong. You name that yourselves, that makes your job a lot easier. It's the same way as a teacher who um, is more of a talker in the classroom versus a facilitator in the classroom. It's like, yes, it takes a lot more planning to be a facilitator in the classroom, but on the back end, it makes your job a lot easier because you're not sitting there for 45 minutes, just talking, talking, to talking. You're sitting there for five, 10 minutes and the students have learned how to have those conversations themselves. They have learned how to own their own learning, which is then also part of owning your own learning is also how to look at your own data <laughs> and make and, and, get, and take that feedback from themselves. So that's, I, I try to justify it in that sense with teachers just from like a, a best practices this will make things easier in the long run, right? But I also look at like, what are you doing? Just like in terms of like, what are you doing that's filling up your schedule, right? Because that's another thing. People tend to, you know, if you look at people, how people manage their time, there might be things that they're doing that takes up a lot more time than it has to, right? So then how do, you know, so then my job is, like, okay, let me provide you supports then ensure that you can take the time to learn how to properly give feedback to students in the most effective way. Like, let me, let, let's, let's focus on really that's the biggest like that's like the biggest thing that has the highest leverage thing, right? And let me make sure that your time is clear in order for you to make that happen. I always believe this, right? And when I look at approaches, like what is one thing they could do right? <laughs> They're not gonna get everything right. What is, if something else has to fall to the side for a minute, but if you're doing this thing right, it's gonna have such a huge impact on students. That's where I prioritize that time and ensuring that that is protected for them. And so that will be another thing. It's like, you know, give me feedback, holding students to high expectations, getting them to reflect on their work, kind of, I, you know, getting them to be able to talk about their progress with other students, modeling that we know has a huge impact on students, right? You get that part right, then maybe yes, mm, you didn't grade that paper in time. Okay, that's okay. Or uh, you didn't quite do this, that's okay. But because they're doing that right, <laughs> you know, and that's going to have a bigger impact than you doing these other probably mundane tasks that's really filling up your time. So it's about how you prioritize and how you spend your time, ensuring that like the things, the, the moves that you're making, the way you're spending your time is having a huge impact on like where we you know what, what the outcomes that we want for our students. It doesn't have to be perfect, but as long as you're trying it, you're doing something, it's better than, <laughs> it's better than not giving feedback. It's better than not having students. Um, uh, it's not. It's better not giving any feedback at all, right? Any of you give feedback that kind of like list out what the students and they don't have that time to self reflect. That's better than not providing any of that at all. Because if I ask a student, I always told teachers I should be able to go to any student in the building and say, "Hey, what do you need to work on? What What are you really good at right now?" And they should be able to say, "Oh, I'm really good at um, my number sense, and I'm really good. I I can skip count. 
It's like, okay, well, what do you need to work on? Oh, well, I'm not quite good with my negative numbers. They should be able to articulate that. And so if I, if, if the, in order for that, articulate that, then the backwards planning for that is like, okay, well, then you go over the data with them. Then you give feedback that that's really specific. Then you allow the students to reflect on it. Like those things right there, you know, you build those tools in it. And um, I think another thing just to say, one thing I just thought like for a teacher who needs that extra support, is really when you want students to reflect on their, how they're doing, you give them an exemplar and you give them their work. That's a scaffold for teachers to start. Like, okay, you want students to be able to identify their gaps, to have them look at their work, have them look at the exemplar, and then they tell you what the areas they need to work on. That is feedback. That's still a form of feedback that you're giving that student, but it also allows them to kind of like sit there and be able to name that for you. And that's going to be so powerful because then they're not, now they can actually articulate those things. And so I think providing that support for people who can't naturally do it is something that like is an easy move to make. And then the, the heavy lifting is not on the comparisons that now then you teach kids how to articulate it, you know? And, but I think kids can typically see, mm, this is not quite what it needs to be. You know, <laughs> my daughter's five, she can tell, she can usually tell me when she made a mistake on something based on what it should look like, you know? And, and so kids have that ability at a very young age to be able to do that. So. That's, no, I, I love that as a concrete example. And in that example that you gave, I also, you, you described it, but it puts students in the driver's seat of their yeah. own self-reflection and evaluation. Exactly. And that's where, that's where the growth is. Uh, students have to be in the driver's seat because, you know, like I said, they're not going to have someone who's by their side every time telling them when they're doing something right, when they're doing something wrong. And, and in we, when you are promoting independent, student independence, we are promoting uh, student autonomy, these things, in order for a student to have that ability to be autonomous and make those decisions, they have to have that piece where they can reflect on how well it's working. Otherwise, they're just going to, <laughs> they're going to make decisions that aren't necessary, that's in their best interest in their growth. Yeah, and that's a that's a lifelong skill we need. So yeah. so cultivating that young can be helpful for for us in our futures. Mm -hmm. Thank you for all of this. This is amazing. I'm going to ask you my favorite last question, which is, what brings you joy in in your work in education? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what brings me joy is to seeing like the the light bulb that goes off for students when they get it, and and and, and it's interesting because you know I I entered education not showing that I was going to stay in education, right? I, I have an engineering background. And, you know, you, you get that light bulb. But I think the biggest thing is when you see a student who they leave you and they come back a few years later and you run into them and they, they, they remember your name immediately and they say, listen, I know I gave you a hard time, but are you gave me a hard time? But I'm telling you it helped. Like it helped. Like I am, I'm doing this because of those things that you taught me. Um, and, and that right there, gives me that joy you know it's just seeing the impact the work that we have it does actually make a difference especially when you've taught it's not necessarily the books they don't remember that they don't remember that you taught them the Pythagorean theorem they may they remember that you taught them how to properly think and how to problem solve and when you have when you're given those skills or the relationships when you're given those skills in that piece and they feel like they can go anywhere and conquer anything then that that's that's what gives me that joy that just to have that that just seeing how they are doing and dc is so small that i typically went into old students all the time um and so it's always nice to hear like they, they they can't wait to tell me oh yes oh that math class but you know i'm i'm doing this i'm in the computer science program here i'm doing engineering I'm in the nasa 
internship, right? Amazon internship. Like, it's just cool to hear those things. Um, and so that's what really kind of keeps me going. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today, Hakeem. And um, if people wanted to learn more about what you're doing at the school, uh, the Inspire Teaching Demonstration School, they have visits, right? Opportunities to come and visit. They do, absolutely. We welcome visitors anytime. You know, one of the nice things about um, as we kind of, you know, reopen our doors is that like we, we're really excited to get people in here. Um, and so, yes, the opportunity to visit, opportunity to meet with me, the rest of the leadership team. Um, and I think the things that I describe, some of the work that we're doing is becoming very evident in the classrooms. And, and so, um, you know, it, it'd be kind of exciting. You know, people can definitely come and see, see it for themselves. And, you know, we'd be excited to talk about the work we're doing here because we're doing a lot of great things here. So, you know, <laughs> our doors are open. This is Jenna again. And if you're here in the DC area, I encourage you to take Hakeem up on that invitation. The Inspired Teaching Demonstration School is a great place to go and see what meaningful feedback looks like in action and what the four eyes, intellect, inquiry, imagination, and integrity feel like when they're at the core of teaching. Visit their website, inspiredteachingschool.org to learn more. Also, please check out this week's digital issue of Hooray for Monday. There's a link in the notes for this podcast that includes three approaches to feedback that can lead to the kind of growth Hakeem described in this interview. Finally, we're less than a week away from our in-person institute for November. If you're in D.C. on November 5th, please join us at the National Portrait Gallery at 11.30 a.m., where we'll make use of those beautiful surroundings as we explore the importance of mutual respect in the classroom. If you're struggling to connect with some of your students or your classroom culture is not quite where you want it, you won't want to miss this session on meeting the social and emotional need for mutual respect. Mutual respect is not a luxury, it's a genuine human need. And in this fun, innovative, and interactive professional learning experience, you'll develop concrete strategies for centering mutual respect in your practice through both classroom management and academic instruction. Our online session is Wednesday, November 9th at 7 p.m. Visit our website, inspiredteaching.org, to learn more. Thank you for sharing this time with us. May this week be one where feedback brings you unexpected opportunities for growth. Look beyond the grades for the little things you and your students can tweak or try. What tiny moves might lead to big change? See what you can discover.